0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Good evening. Thank you for being with us tonight. Praise the Lord. It's good uh, to be back in the house here prepared to minister to our... Church and all those that are joining us tonight, uh, just have a little bit of teaching for you this evening. Uh, wanted to share a word of encouragement as uh, I sought the Lord for continued guidance through this process and teaching and training uh, i, I couldn 't help thinking the words some of the words that we 're hearing through all the uh, the myriad of news stories and feeds and Facebook things and all the videos and things that are coming out. It appears in some way, and of course, I'm I'm rather ignorant in this area, and I don't profess to know uh, everything about this current situation. But it, I, I do hear uh, some good stories, some good things here and there. I believe that uh, we are in a place where they're beginning to see uh, people being released from the hospital in good numbers. As a matter of fact, I heard that over a hundred patients were released from Freighter Hospital uh, this past week, COVID patients. Uh, I've heard that maybe we've peaked in some areas and the numbers of new cases are declining. Uh, The number of new fatalities is declining. And and so I I think those are all uh, good signs. Again, we've got a a ways to go. Perhaps maybe we don't know yet exactly how everything is going to play out. But I looked at the calendar this afternoon and I realized, my goodness, I think we've been at this just about a month. And uh, so, depending on how long it takes for things to resolve, and, and I know there's lots of things in, in the media right now having to do with uh, uh, treatments and vaccines and all these different things that they're working on, uh, but nonetheless, we're a month into this uh, journey that we've been on, and uh, the thought had occurred to me that we could very well be on the threshold of promise, and I want to talk to you this evening about the threshold of promise, uh, I, I just can't get away from the idea as I'm studying the word and seeking God's direction. I just can't get away from the idea that so much about what we're traversing through right now is, has so many similarities uh, to the children of Israel. And so I'd like to talk to you a little bit again about the threshold of promise being right there. Uh, after... Israel was was freed by Pharaoh from Egypt. Of course, you know that story, and they, they had to run for their lives as, as uh, they were racing to the Red Sea, and the, the uh, Egyptian army was chasing them, and of course, they were uh, hastily leaving Egypt, grabbing anything that they could and uh, began to traverse the, the wilderness, as we know it's called, the desert area, that, that place of unfamiliarity. It was, it was unknown to them, and, and uh, began to enter into a new way, and following this one leader, this one man, Moses. And uh, so as they were approaching The uh, land of promise. Of course, we know from the very beginning that God had promised them through Moses and and, and through His word that if they left Egypt, that He would take them to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of promise, a place that would be called theirs, and uh, all they had to do was follow their leader, uh, follow the word of God, and uh, and He would lead them there faithfully. And of course, we know that as the story goes, that they wandered for forty years; an entire generation of Israelites passed away in the wilderness and why why did it take so long why was it dragging on I'm sure many of you are think asking yourself that question right now how much longer is this shutdown this safer at home this quarantine whatever it is that you've termed it how long is this thing going to last four weeks already at this uh, almost uh, seemingly trapped in our homes not understanding and and I'm going to talk to you probably within the next couple of weeks or so Uh, about uh, the gift that we've been given. Uh, in this time, this this sort of uh, pseudo imprisonment that we've ha- had forced upon us, but I believe that there's a gift, perhaps many gifts, that we've been given uh, in this process. Uh, things that we get to see, uh, seeing life from a different perspective. Perhaps the, the 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 rat race came to a stop. Perhaps the the spinning wheels of time slowed down just a little bit. And I believe that there are gifts there that God has. Offered us if we're willing to take them, and so I'm going to share that with you in, in uh, upcoming messages. But for, suffice it to say, uh, the people of Egypt were in a place of uh, they didn't understand, a place of uh, a very barren area. They were they were wandering, just trying to follow Moses. And I'm sure at first there was a lot of fervor and excitement, and and they were free from the bondage of Egypt. And of course, we know again, you've heard me say many times that that Egypt itself represents uh, the life in the world, the life in secularism. Uh, the life before we turn to God Uh, uh, it represents the world as it is the secular world as it is uh, uh, Egypt in, in, in many cases literally represents sin in scripture symbolically and so they've escaped that bondage and for those of us in the faith of course we know that oftentimes when we're tied up in, in, in sin we've had some challenges in our previous life habits, uh, perhaps addictions things like that we refer to that as bondage we were in bondage to that sin the, the word says so and so they were freed from bondage and, and out in the wilderness uh, following Moses as best they could however unfortunately uh, during that time of course their faith wavered and they, they went from from being angry with God and and, and Moses and, and, and honoring and loving God and Moses and back and forth. But as they were wandering towards the promised land after 40 years, a generation gone, they come to a place we now, we, we understand to be referred to as the plains of Moab. It was uh, the places of, of nothingness. It was east of the, the, the Jordan River. And uh, 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 They knew that the promised land was finally close. Moses had already been to the mountain. He'd brought down the law. And uh, uh, so many very, very important uh, things happened with the children of Israel and and lessons and things that preach hundreds and thousands of messages. Uh, But they're they're in the plains of Moab. And at this point now, that entire generation is gone. Every Israelite over the age of 20 has uh, now gone except for Moses' Joshua and Caleb, all of the leadership uh, uh, was now dead. Uh, everyone was gone except for those three and everyone 20 years and under. But they're on the threshold of promise. They're at the, literally uh, the gate that God had promised them. And so they're up on a mountaintop overlooking the land of promise and thinking about all those wonderful things that God had promised them. And I wonder during the course of that journey, during the course of your journey how often is it we think we talk about concepts like heaven and the rapture of the church and what it's going to be like over there and we sing songs uh, when we get over yonder and and this has gone on for literally decades and decades and decades And, and I wonder during the course of our time and our walk even amongst the most faithful how many of, of, of us have doubted how many of us have, have been challenged with that idea is this really real is this really going to happen what's it going to be like when this begins to happen now please understand that I, I'm in no way forecasting prophecy and nor am I believing that necessarily that this very moment uh, this, this crisis that we're in is that threshold moment before the time of the rapture of the church necessarily I don't know it very well could be That could be uh, as I walk out of the building tonight. Uh, But that is not what I'm professing here in this message. What I'm doing at the moment is likening our journey through this time that we're in. This little four-week journey uh, probably feels like the 40-year journey that the Israelites had through the wilderness. We're in a weird place. This has never happened before in the history, uh, at least in our living history. We don't understand why we are where we are. Why did this have to happen? And so... It challenges our faith and it challenges our belief that whether this, is, this could be really real or not. What does God mean in all of this? But I want, I want to reiterate again, I believe that either way, we're standing on the threshold of promise tonight. And I think that's uh, very exciting. Uh, and I, I think that God has us right in, in his hands, just where we belong. And if we stay faithful, if we hold on, we continue to look to our leadership and him, looking to him and, and staying faithful, all of these things will be revealed. Now, the initial company that, that, ori- uh, that originally uh, left uh, or, or departed from Egypt Egypt, really did so even with some Reluctance. They were comfortable where they were. Even though they were in bondage, uh, there was corn in Egypt and there was good foods in Egypt and they even referenced that later. Why did we do this? Why did we make this mistake and, and come out here? We had these, these things, even though in slavery, even though those things were killing them, literally. Uh, as, as Pharaoh be, became more brutal and more uh, desperate uh, to oppress the Israelites, uh, even then they could look back and say, well, things were just a little bit comfortable back back then. You know, five weeks ago, we had it all together. It was Everything was great. Uh, Our clocks were spinning. We were running around in the rat race, running to and fro, trying to take care of our obligations to the family, obligations to our jobs, uh, obligations to our church, uh, spinning and spinning, never feeling like we had enough time, more conveniences than we've ever had before, more technology than we've ever had before, but constantly feeling tired, constantly feeling wore out, never seeming to get ahead. Those are all the things that I've heard people say numerous times. And then four weeks ago, God led us out of the land of Egypt. Now, we're in the barren place. We're in a desert. It's not very pleasant. It's not very easy to bear. But I think it's important to remember, but even as they traveled through Egypt, God provided. I made mention to our leadership group not too long ago, we haven't really lost a whole lot in this process. Maybe our freedom to move around, maybe our ability to congregate here in the church, but we still have our conveniences. We've got our internet, we've got our food. The grocery stores may be a little shy on a couple of items, but they're still open. None of us are starving, certainly not me, and, and uh, we haven't lost all that much I don't know that this is the, uh, the terrible oppression that sometimes I think we see it made out to be in, in our media. And so uh, I, I reflected on that a little bit and thought, well, what have we lost uh, we can still be together with our families. We can still share the word of God with you with all these amazing conveniences that we have. And, and, and yet, uh, I, I, there's a lot of complaining going on, not necessarily from, from people that, that, from our uh, a, a group here, because I've talked to most of you and, and, and I've heard just great positive things. Everyone's in good spirit, just waiting on God and being faithful and patient. Uh, but I hear so much outside. You hear so much in the media and through through the social media and all of that. And so, uh, uh, as we get back, getting back to the the, the people of Egypt, uh, as bad as things were in Egypt, and as I said, as oppressed as they were, they were still kind of uh, uh, sort of yearning back for, for what they had before, for what was comfortable. And this process may not be comfortable for us, but I guarantee you that no matter what the cause or why we are where we are, God's got a purpose in it. And I want you to look forward to that. I want you to be encouraged that somewhere, at some point through the course of this journey, we're going to have some aha moments. God's going to speak to us. We're going to see. It's going to be right in front of our face, and we're going to understand exactly why we needed to go through these times. During the 40 years in the desert wandering, the children of Israel, just as I said, just went back and forth between blessing and cursing God and being so frustrated, Uh, and he'd show them miracles in the wilderness, he'd provide them with water out of a flint rock, he would provide them manna from heaven, and so then, of course, they would humble themselves and say, okay, you know what, God, you've got us, I understand, but when the test and the challenges of desert life got difficult, uh, they'd harden their hearts in anger, Again, and they would resent God. How much like this is is life's journey, that desert life that we go through. We go through those dry places. You know, there's there are places in the desert of of refreshing. They call them oasis. Uh, sometimes there'd be that little spot of water, a couple of palm trees, a place of refreshing. We have those times in our life, as as challenging as life can be, and as as somewhat desert-like as it can be, as we go from problem to problem. We do have to remember those oases, those times of refreshing. And I believe it's those times when God is working in our lives and, and reminding us of the blessings that we have and the beautiful families that we have and the bounty of what we own. My goodness, uh, if, if, if you're living in the United States of America, you have more, you enjoy more, you're richer than, than nine tenths of, of planet Earth. Uh, we have so much. Uh, but they would forget, and they, they would forget his power, and they would, they would uh, uh, tremble and fear out of just the idea of, of what it would be like to face the Canaanites. Of course, you know the story is, is the spies were sent into Canaan, 12 spies went in, 10 came back with fear and stories of giants, and two came back and had a great story of all the land filled with milk and honey. And so it's very easy, what do the, the 12 spies represent? Well, the 10 spies represent that real loud voice that you you hear on MSNBC and Fox and CNN and, and all of that negativity. And, and it's, it's, it's literally the prince and power of the air, the enemy working. He's, he's the spy to bring us the bad stories. He's the spy to tell us the gloom and the doom. And that's and, and he operates and controls the power of the air, uh, the broadcast waves, the radio, the television, or the movies, all that stuff. And, and he can bring that story. But there's a couple of spies, there's a couple of them that shine through once in a while. Who are are those spies, those spies are your pastors, those spies are your leaders. those spies are Christian radio, perhaps, or or the Word of God that 's coming out, and it 's re, reminding us of the promise of God, so we 've got to focus on those two spies. You see the Canaanites today, I believe, represent the world, the Canaanites, the ones they were afraid to face in the in the biblical time, of course, we know as they crossed into the into the uh, land of promise over the Jordan River. They were going to have to fight them. They're going to have to have physical fights. There was going to be death and and, and challenges, and, and it was going to be war and battle. And I and I think our version of that, uh, the, the Canaanites that we fear, uh, sometimes the things that hold us back uh, are the, the Canaanites we're facing. Are, are those those people that don't have God in their lives, the ones who aren't living for Him and who desperately need Him, and we're afraid to go have that encounter? It's not a battle, of course. It's not a fight. We're not going to war with them, but nonetheless, we've got to try to get to them and share the word of God with them, and sometimes that can be a contentious confrontation, or, or at least it would feel that way, and so I think just like they were afraid of the Canaanites, we're afraid to enter the promised land and face them, uh, the people who need us, and so it was more comfortable back in Egypt, we were too busy, we had so much going on, I had a few ministries here at the church, I had lots to do, and therefore, somebody else can go fight the Canaanites, someone else can and get out. and and take care of those who need God because I've got my busy time. I've got a lot going on. Perhaps, maybe perhaps as we stand on the threshold of promise, uh, we might have the same fears that the Israelites had, but I'm contending to you today, church, this is our opportunity to embolden ourselves with the word of God, to stop trembling in fear when we come out of this thing and being different, doing something different, not being the old person that we were coming into this this, uh, shutdown, this this bondage that we're currently in. we're, We're a little afraid, wow, I'm gonna be responsible to do something. I'm gonna come out of this bondage into this promised land, and, and, and I've got to be effective for the kingdom. I've got to do something different. And we fear that just a little bit. And I contend with you today, as I did the other day, after what we've just seen happen to planet Earth a tiny microorganism bringing planet Earth down to its knees, stopping the entire world. It's economies, it's businesses, it's traffic, it's highways, everything almost coming to a complete and utter halt. It's as if God was standing over the earth watching all of us busy, 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 running, running, running. And he looked over the earth and he's going, come on, hello, hello, come on. And finally, COVID-19 happens. I'm not saying God caused it. I'm not saying God put it into the world But what I am saying is what a tremendous opportunity for him to get our attention. As the children stood on the mountain and saw in the distance the promised land, the realization of their expectations, were they ready? Did they appreciate the great blessing of of what they were about to receive? It was denied to the generation before them. As as they stood and looked at that promised land, they they could see it from just a short distance off. Their, Their parents gone, grandparents gone, Were they ready? Could they appreciate it? Could they move into that land under their leadership uh, of of this great, awesome prophet in Moses, which, of course, we find out ends up not happening, but can they go in, possess this land, but can they do it on God's terms? That was the real question. Or were they going to continue to fuss and fight and carry that old tradition of their parents and their grandparents into the promised land. Now, of course, we know that Moses was not permitted to go into the promised land. He defied God's word. He struck the rock when he wasn't supposed to, and therefore that privilege went to Joshua and Caleb. Now, I want to rewind with you just a little bit. So we've got the the children of Israel literally on the threshold of promise, ready to enter, ready to cross the River Jordan into the promised land. But I want to take you back just a little bit to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. And I'm just going to teach a little bit. We're going to go through. It's just 20 verses. We're going to go through the book of Deuteronomy for just a little bit. uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're just going to go through. We're going to take a little step back in time. Now, Deuteronomy... Really, specifically, this chapter uh, really focuses on, on, on God's work in, in, in building humility in Israel. I think the entire journey through the wilderness, uh, there continued, had they not been complainers, had they not uh, constantly uh, fell back in their flesh and, 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 and sort of mourned what they, where they were, but they just, if they would have just kept their focus on God, just kept their focus, uh, that journey could have been, I think it's been estimated, possibly a year and a half total journey if you include uh, the the visit with God on the mount to receive the law. A year and a half. Whereas, uh, um, and I've heard as high as three years, but 40 years wandering in the wilderness because of their discontent, because of their... their uh, uh, complaining, and, and so God is in, in deuteronomy chapter eight he 's building their humility, he 's continuing to speak to them, and perhaps I, I, I have to ask, and this is a little tongue in cheek, but I have to ask, could this moment in history, could this have been israel 's COVID moment? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'm going to read verse 1 and 2, uh, God humbles uh, and tests Israel. Listen to the words. It says, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And this is Moses preaching now, and you, will shout, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? To humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, of course, God knows what's in our hearts, and, and he knows what we're capable of. But I think even more so, it was important for them to understand and know what was in their heart. This was a time of reflection. We're in a period where we have an opportunity, a time of reflection to look in. Is my heart really focused on God? Am I in this thing? Am I really understanding what he's asking for me to do? Am I completely fulfilling his commandments? Let's move on to verse 3. Now, God begins to educate Israel uh, in the wilderness. It says, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. Of course, we know that Jesus referenced that very, that very scripture, that man shall not live by bread. Bread alone, but by literally uh, every word of God. But man lives, as it said, by word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Now, I'm reading from uh, the uh, ESV version. Uh, And and so he says, what an amazing thing. could you imagine going 40 years and, and, uh, and your clothes never wear out, same, wear the same set of clothes for 40 years and your foot didn't swell? You walked on your feet for 40 years and your feet didn't swell. That's incredible. And you should know in your heart that as man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you. He's reminding you that, that even though he's done this provision and, and, and he's carrying you through this process, it's a chastening process. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He he said, we live by every word. In places where they cut diamonds, they sweep up the dust because the very dust of the diamonds is valuable. And in the word of God, all the truth is so precious that the very tiniest truth, if there be such a thing, is still a diamond dust and is unspeakably precious. That was Charles Spurgeon now in Deuteronomy 8, 6-10 through 10, he talks about the blessings in the land that are set aside for Israel he says, therefore you shall keep his commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land look, a land of brooks of water and of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper when you have eaten and are full now listen to this then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you Folks, I believe this is a type and shadow of a reflection of the life that we can live if we just set aside our personal gain, our own personal selfish desires, our priorities first, take care of me first, feed me first, do the things that I want to do first, and I'll conveniently attend to God's work. I believe that the land he's describing is literally a type and shadow of the life that we can live, that if we decide to put every in his word first put him first put the ministry to other people reaching out to other folks first all of that other stuff is going to become part of our life we'll live bountifully we'll have wonderful food we'll never be scarce we'll never have hunger we'll eat all the time maybe not necessarily physically but i'm talking about the fulfillment that we feel The same people that said, I run and run and run and run and never seem like I get anywhere. That could be erased based on this scripture. How about the people that say, I I never seem to have enough time. That could be erased in your life according to this scripture. What about the people who said, I I never, never seem to have enough money. I work more hours. I do more in my life, but I never seem to have enough. That could be erased if we apply the principle of this scripture. I believe that today. And I'm excited about it. I think God is speaking to us from the position of the land of Israel and the promise, the threshold of promise, to say, look, all of these things, they're right here just waiting for you. If you're willing, if you're willing to put me first. Look what he said, the corresponding scripture, I mentioned it a little, a little bit ago, Matthew 6 and 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. There you go. It's proof positive. But we talk, I think so often we talk about these things in, in abstract terms. And you know me, I've said before, I like to give practical tactical. What does that mean? It means real things that you can do, real tools that you can use today and moving forward. And we exit this, this bondage of, of coronavirus and we get back into the world. You can take this with you, this principle, this practical tactical. Well, pastor, what do you mean by that? How do we apply it? Aren't I doing enough? Are you saying that, that, that I'm no good? No. Uh, that's not it at all. But what I'm saying is, is, number one, you can get a hold of your testimony. Get a hold of your testimony, what God has done for you. My God, I'm so familiar with some amazing testimonies in this house, testimonies of healing, testimonies of where God brought you through, ladies that were in the church first and prayed for years for their husbands to come, and they came along finally living wonderful lives for God. God. Get a hold of your testimony and get ready to get that thing out every chance you get. Look for people. Look for people to share your, your, your testimony with. There's a wonderful lady and her husband I've been witnessing to and talking to for quite a long time now. She, she, she was a gas station attendant near where I live and, and, and just share with her my testimony, share with her the word. She's come here to church. She's been to our event. Uh, I'm believing that God has taken those seeds and I'm planting in her heart and it's gonna go somewhere. Somewhere. But I've shared first my testimony, what God has done for me, the many stories that God has done pur- pur- purpose, pur- excuse me specifically for me. That's something that they can't take away. You can argue the word of God, but you can't argue what I know that God has done for me. Let's go on to Deuteronomy 8 and, and verse 11 now. Now, we've got to be careful uh, as we, we and, and many of us are doing these things. Again, I understand. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm talking to folks that are already doing these things. Uh, I'm just saying, can we step it up? Is there a new place that God's taking us? Is this promised land that we're just getting ready to step into something far greater than the desert wilderness we've been wandering through? I believe it is but we can there's a danger in that though we've got to be careful now and so this is right this is right along with the word uh, there is a danger in the breast in the excuse me the blessed life there is a danger uh, that we could slip into that pride can creep in listen to what he says in Deuteronomy 8 and 11 he says beware that you do not forget the lord your god by not keeping his commandments his judgments and his statutes which i command you today lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses, listen now, you've eaten and are full. In other words, we come into this house when, when we're able to, we come into the church and we get to sit and, and and dine on a banquet of amazing worship and praise and word of God that's delivered to you from this very pulpit, from, from teachers and Sunday school teachers and preachers and maybe even your pastor. And, and you, we get to eat and eat and be full of that awesome word of God. Uh, but it says in built beautiful houses and dwell in them and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied when your heart is lifted up and you forget the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt from the house of bondage who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water who brought water for you out of the flinty rock and who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. It's a a big passage. It's a lot to say, but... My goodness, what, I think the warning is there. We, we, we've been full. We've got what we need. We're, we're rich. We're wealthy. And we've got homes and cars and, and possessions. And we dwell in them. Our flocks are growing. Our silver and gold are multiplied. Uh, in, in all of that we have. And, and our hearts are filled in, in, in how dangerous it could be to forget the land of Egypt that God took us out of. The life that we lived before we found God. The bondages that we are in, feeling lost, depression, perhaps addictions, maybe you were pulled out of a life of alcoholism or some other addiction, maybe you were pulled out of a life of abuse, perhaps family, something, a a wretched childhood, but God pulled you out of that, out of that land of Egypt, uh, from that bondage, and then he provided you that, that manna, he Somebody spoke to you. Somebody reached out and shared their testimony. Someone said, hey, would you like to come to my church? It's a great place. There's wonderful people there. They love you. It's a place to be and to learn about God. That manna was handed to you. That water came out of that flinty rock and, and, and dried up your, or, or took care of your thirst. We can't forget that if we get to the places it says my power and the might of my hand uh, has done this if we get too pride and we start too proud and start thinking that all that we've got is because we're so good god is giving us a warning here now let's move on to verse 18 this is where god starts to correct this thing he starts to gives the principle he says and you shall remember the lord your god for it is he who gives you power to get wealth Never forget that. Never forget that it's God. This is the word of God now. This is God speaking uh, through Moses. It is he, God Almighty, who gives you the power to get wealth. Not you. Not me. I don't lay claim to the wealth of what I have. or, or And by no means do I consider myself to be great and wealthy. But compared to uh, 85% of planet Earth, I'm very wealthy not by me, not by my hand, my talents, anything that I have, but through God who allowed those things. It goes on to say that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. In other words, the promised land, the threshold of the promised land. Starting at verse 19, this is the penalty, the penalty for that pride. It says, that then... It shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them. I'm going to stop there for a second. What does it mean by that when the word says that? Follow other gods and serve them and worship them. Folks, I think you know as well as I do that it's very easy, and perhaps you know people that have made money their God. They've made entertainment their God. They've made sports. They've made partying. They've made work their God. And they worship that God. Well, pastor, do they bow down? You're saying that they're worshiping and praising this? No, no. What they're doing is they're giving full devotion, their time, their love, and their attention to those things. That's worshiping other gods. And it goes on to say, I testify against you this day and you shall surely perish. Those are hard words. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. And that ends the, the, the eighth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. As the saying goes, the pride of face is obnoxious. The pride of race is vulgar, but the worst pride is the pride of grace. We've got to be careful not to put God in our back pocket and say, oh, I got it all sewn up. I'm all good to go. I got saved 38 years ago. I know God. I come to church a couple times a week, and I put some money in my offering, and and I'm good. We've got to be careful of that. The pride of grace is the worst of all. Now, I want to take you into the book of Joshua uh, referring to this because, of course, the book of Joshua is literally the, the preparation and the action of entering into the promised land in this model that, I, that I've uh, reflected in the Old Testament. The book of Joshua is one of the most important books or writings in the, in the Old Covenant, uh, I believe, because it is a type and shadow. This is a mirror for us in terms of the qualifications, the expectations of God for entering into that promised land that we want to enter into someday. And of course, that promised land I'm talking about is New Jerusalem, heaven, to be with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, I think it's important to understand that uh, Joshua is, is, is really, uh, it's a continuation and I think a completion of the first five books of the Bible. Now we know that Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which I was just writing from, are referred to as the Pentateuch. That's the first five books of the Bible or the books of the law. And, and so Joshua, we can't leave it out because it continues everything that Moses brought to that point. And, and so between this book and the five books of Moses... There's that same analogy, I believe, this is personally my belief now, as between the four Gospels and the, and the book of the Acts of the Apostles. I think it's a mirror. I think they're a type and shadow. Uh, the Pentateuch, of course, contains the history of, of all of the acts of Moses and what he did and what God did through him and, of course, the laws that were given to the Jews, right? And so uh, if we look at the, the book of Joshua, it gives an account of the establishment or what, what is effectively the establishment of the church in Canaan, in the promised land, Right? So if we compare that to the Gospels, uh, we know that the four Gospels are the actions and, and the operation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who brought us grace or essentially not removing or eliminating the law but fulfilling the law. Very similar, it's a type and shadow and therefore the acts of the apostles gives the account of the establishment of his church, the true church. Okay, so you see the mirror there. The five books of the law then mirror the four books of the Gospels uh, and the book of Acts. Now the books, uh, excuse me, the books of the Gospels, uh, uh, and I'm going to steal this, by the way. I, uh, we we had a great uh, the pastors of section two a couple of weeks ago had a wonderful conference call meeting with Brother Stan Gleason. Many of you may know him. He pastors in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, but he is the uh, uh, assistant s- uh, general superintendent of the UPCI. He's second in command to Brother uh, David Bernard. Uh, uh, but he uh, we we follow a book that he wrote here in our our Jonathan Project called. Follow to Lead, it's a discipleship lesson but Brother Gleason was with us and, and he talked about the book of Acts and, and our opportunity as we're going forward and he, and he brought up these points related now to the book of Acts the, the, the beginning, the establishment of the church the beginning of the church but the looking forward, the establishing of our, our threshold of the promised land In other words, what he said was in Acts chapter 5, and he references verses 27 and 28, but he said at this point, what had happened here is uh, uh, Peter and the apostles are in prison. Again, they're thrown in prison. The angel of the Lord comes to them in prison and releases them and tells them to go back to the temple and preach. In Acts chapter 5 and 27... It says, and when they had brought them out where they were called for again, it was, discovered that they, it was discovered that they were not in the prison anymore. They were sent for and they weren't there. And, and they were found to be in the temple. And so the priest said, okay, go get those guys. Bring them back here. In verse 27, it says, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council. This is the Jewish leadership. And the high priest asked them, saying, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, now listen to the phrase, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. It's talking about Jesus. So here they are before the Jewish council, and the Jewish council says, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Now keep that place marked and and remember that phrase. He then brings up Acts chapter 8 and 4 where it says, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went Everywhere preaching the word. Now, the the, the, they that he's talking there that were scattered abroad. He's talking about the Jews. When everything broke loose and all of this this mess had happened, and they were being arrested, and Jesus had been crucified, they were scattered all over the place. Uh, But what they did when they scattered is they began to preach and went everywhere preaching the word. Hold that spot and remember that phrase. Acts chapter seventeen and six. The apostle Paul is going into Thessalonica. Okay, this is where he he establishes the church at Thessalonica, later writes two letters to the Thessalonians. But he goes into Thessalonica and preaches the word to the Jews there. Acts 17 and 5 says this, it says, But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort." Lord knows what they were, and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, now listen, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. He was referring to Paul and the apostles, the ones that were preaching the word of God. So, remember that phrase and mark that place. Acts chapter 19 and 10. Paul is at Ephesus. Uh, a, A bunch of folks were saved earlier in that chapter, received the Holy Ghost. Now, Paul is preaching in the synagogue, Acts 19 and 10. And it says, and this continued by the space of two years. So, listen, that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, those four scriptures, those four phrases, those four statements, Brother Gleason's position, and I agreed with him wholeheartedly, I listened to that part of his message again and again, comes down to these four points. Have we made this mark yet? Are we at this place yet? Is Abundant Life Apostolic Church responsible for these four statements? In other words, moving forward, standing on the threshold of promise, looking at our opportunity moving forward, I believe it is our call. I believe it is our opportunity that we can fill Jerusalem with our doctrine. Am I talking about the city of Jerusalem? No, I'm talking about the city of Oconomowoc and the city of Dousman and the city of Wales and McGuanago and Delafield and so on. We've got to fill the Jerusalem with our doctrine. That means we've got to get outside these walls and begin to reach out to whoever we can in whatever way that we can. Secondly, it says they went everywhere pre- the Word that's our opportunity. Not just the pastor, not just the pastor staff, but every single one of you. Every able body that knows the Word of God. Everyone that's experienced this bounty. Everyone that was brought through the wilderness and brought into this wonderful place. Those of us that have eaten till we're fat. We've got more homes. We've got more belongings we could ever need. It's our time now. It's our opportunity now to go into the Word and preach everywhere the Word of God. Point number three, have we turned our world upside down. I'm moved in a place in my heart and my spirit tonight that unless I'm doing that very thing, unless I'm doing enough out there, reaching enough people, turning over every opportunity that I can, until I've turned my world upside down, I've not done enough for Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. And finally that final point, and they that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. All they that dwelt in Asia. And until we come to a place where we have covered everybody, when all of Asia, every place knows about abundant life, all of our surroundings, all of our neighbors, when every single place has heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, then our work is done. The Bible says that in the last days, my spirit will be poured out on all men. There's a place and a time, Jesus said it himself, where every single soul will hear The word of God, and many believe it. It's at that point. It's at that point when his return is nigh. He's ready. He's coming back. Folks, I believe this is our opportunity. We're standing on the threshold of promise. Now what's the promise that goes along with this? If you take that chance, if you take that opportunity, if you take hold of this word and you decide that I'm going to share a testimony, I'm going to offer a Bible study, I'm going to invite somebody to church, I'm telling you right now, speak to enough people and somebody's going to say yes. Somebody's going to say, I was hoping you would ask me. Someone's going to say, I've been praying to God for somebody to come to me and ask me about the word of God. Ask me to come to church. I've been talking to God, telling them how desperate I am. I promise you if you take the step the promises in the word of God if you take the step and you do what you can just put a word out there just try it one time just test the waters God will come through for you that's the promise that we're looking at today in Jesus name in Jesus name I'm sorry I'm fired up for a Wednesday night I didn't expect to be this fired up but God's got a hold of me with this message I'm excited about what's coming I don't know if we're at the midpoint of this thing. I don't know if we've got a month to go or six months to go. I don't know if we're we're supposed to walk around in fear afterwards, worrying about second waves and all that nonsense. I don't care about any of that. What I do know is this. It's gonna be our opportunity. We stand on the threshold of promise to reach this community and reach the people with the word of God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning again uh, with me tonight. I love and appreciate all of you. Uh, those of you who uh, I have contacted, I'm still working through that process, but I love you all and, uh, and I'm here for you. My phone is on, my time is always available to you and, uh, and I'm excited about what God's doing as we move forward. Amen, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at org.